0: Our dear Father in heaven, we thank you for giving us an opportunity to study your word this morning. We pray, Father, that as we go into your word, that the promises you've given to those who come to study with a desire to know you shall be afforded us. Grant us of your spirit, grant us understanding, and help us, Father, that through this study we may get to know you more. In Jesus' name I've prayed amen that I may know him January 23 keep the Savior with you and when they had fulfilled the days as they returned the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem and Joseph and his mother knew not of it Luke 2 verse 43 not one act in the life of Christ was unimportant Every event of his life was for the benefit of his followers in future time. This circumstance of the tarry of Christ in Jerusalem teaches an important lesson. Jesus was acquainted with hearts. He knew that as the crowd returned in company from Jerusalem, there would be much talking and visiting which would not be seasoned with humility and grace, and the Messiah and his mission would be nearly forgotten. It was his choice to return from Jerusalem with his parents alone. For in being retired, his father and mother would have more time for reflection and for meditation upon the prophecies which referred to his future sufferings and death. He did not wish the painful events which they were to experience in his offering up his life for the sins of the world to be new and unexpected to them. He was separated from them in their return to Jerusalem. After the celebration of the Passover, they sought him sorrowing three days. Here is a lesson of instruction to all the followers of Christ. There is necessity of carefulness of words and actions when Christians are associated together lest Jesus be forgotten of them and they pass along careless of the fact that Jesus is not among them. When they are aroused to their condition, they discover that they have journeyed without the presence of him who could give peace and joy to their hearts. And days are occupied in returning and searching for him whom they should have retained with them every moment. Jesus will not be found in the company of those who are careless of his presence and who engage in conversation having no reference to their Redeemer. It is the privilege of all to retain Jesus with them. If they do this, their words must be select and seasoned with grace. The thoughts of their hearts must be disciplined to meditate upon heavenly and divine things. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is Keep the Savior with You. And it's an important study for us. Once again, we look at Jesus' encounter in going to the temple. We've already seen how he expressed his knowledge and tried to help others to understand the knowledge of the Passover. but now let us look at Mary and Joseph and the lesson we learn from them not being accountable as they should to Jesus Christ's presence and taking care of him. In Luke two reading from verse forty one down to forty five it says: now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover and when he was 12 years old they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast and when they had fulfilled the days as they returned the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem and Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they supposing him to have been in the company went a day's journey and they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance and when they found him not they returned back again to Jerusalem seeking him. Now. The seeking him here you need to understand mary later said to jesus why have you dealt with us thy father and i have sought thee sorrowing so take note of that word sorrowing it was no good experience for them but then i would say this they are going back to their houses from jerusalem must really have been a swell time for more for mary and joseph for them to have been assuming that jesus was among their company without actually checking to see if the assumption was in fact correct the whole day must have elapsed before they, had, they suddenly were conscious or maybe some hours before they were suddenly conscious that we just assumed he was with us was he actually with us and maybe they will say at the first at, maybe at the first time the thoughts came to their mind perhaps one of them would have told the other dismissing the concern, saying he's among us don't worry and then they'll continue just with their conversations but after a day perhaps in the evening or sometime during the day, it came to their knowledge. This assumption we had, let's check whether it's really true that Jesus was with us. Let's verify it. And they searched and probably asked everyone and everyone said, we've not seen him. And at that, fear must have gripped them at this time. That holy thing, the Son of God, whom Joseph was told would be great and will save his people from their sins, was nowhere to be found. It was such in time. Luke 2 verse 46 to 51 tells us clearly what happened. They finally saw Jesus. And like I said in Luke 2 verse 48, they asked him, Why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold thy father, that's the word that was used by Mary, and it's very significant. She said to him, Thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said to them, How is it that you sought me? Wist you know that I must be about my father's business? Do you get it? Mary said, Thy father and I have sought thee. Jesus said, Don't you know that I will be about my father's business? They were astonished that he said that. Luke 2 verse 50 says, And they understood not the saying which he spoke unto them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. That was a close one, by the way. Joseph and Mary must have really been relieved to see that Jesus was safe. They could not forget the dream they both had had, making clear to them the fact that this child was going to be the savior of the world. Joseph was clearly told that. Mary especially knew that this was a child that was conceived in her womb when she knew no man. She was a virgin. The angel told her that that holy thing shall be called the son of God. They both knew how it was that Satan moved Herod to kill this child and when he could not be found, all children below two years in Bethlehem were murdered. They had trained him with this knowledge but for a moment. They got carried away with their family and friends while losing sight of the child and his mission and they suffered for it. On Jesus' part, he knew what his mission now was and this was a very solemn time for him. He wished his parents to know and was seeking opportunity to make this known to them because he knew they didn't know. He made a smart move. What did he do? In that time he know him page 29 paragraph 3 says Jesus was acquainted with hearts He knew that as the crowd returned in company from Jerusalem, there would be much talking and visiting which would not be seasoned with humility and grace, and the Messiah and his mission would be nearly forgotten. It was his choice to return from Jerusalem with his parents alone, for in being retired, his father and mother would have more time for reflection and for meditation upon the prophecies which referred to his future sufferings and death he did not wish the painful events which they were to experience in in his offering up his life for the sins of the world to be new and unexpected to them he was separated from them in their return to Jerusalem after the celebration of the Passover they sought him sorrow in three days so end of quote Jesus will not want to be distracted at this time he had just made a comment to them showing them that he had a knowledge that perhaps he wasn't supposed to have Jesus most likely did not know from his parents that Joseph was not his father. He learned it from God. He had always referred to Joseph as his father before now. But now after the Passover, Jesus said, do you not know that i will be about my father's business? Even after Mary told him, your father has been looking for you. He made it clear to them something had happened. A revelation had been given to him that his father was not Joseph and he kept silent thinking about it a wonderful revelation Jesus had been given a revelation and he did not want to lose sight of that revelation that he was given about the Passover and his birth and his what his future life was going to be this was no time to gist this was no time to visit this was no time to just be careless and he did a smart thing he didn't follow his family and relatives home he made sure that something would be done so that he could go home alone with his parents for their own good not for his own good so that it would not be a surprise to them when in the future he's going to die for the sins of the world it wasn't necessarily to teach them but he knew this thing I have learnt everybody does not know it my parents don't know it they didn't teach me that I am the lamb to be sacrificed for the world and he thought about what it would be that day when it comes. How would my mother take it? How would my father take it? And he sought to little by little start to let them know about it. He wouldn't want to be distracted at this time and join in the excitement. You know, when you go for programs like this, that's what usually happens in the buses when they are going, home, oh, people are excitingly singing songs for just for mere entertainment and just to enjoy the harmony of the voice, while the mind does not really mean what is said in the songs. He didn't want the time spent when going home to be a time to catch up with family and friends he wanted to be he wanted it to be just what it should be a time of solemn and sweet reflection on the ordinance that had they had just attended he world He wanted to meditate on the word as it is said of him in Psalms 119 verse 15, I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. Verse 26, I have declared my ways and thou heardest me, teach me thy statutes. And verse 27, make me to understand the way of thy precepts, so shall I talk of thy wondrous works. What did Jesus want to talk about while going home? Thy wondrous works. He didn't want to just gist and have fun and visit. And then people will say, oh, where's Jesus? Look at him. Oh, you're such a big boy now. How old is he now? He's 12 years old. Wow, he's 12 years old. Ah, What do you want to be in the future? Jesus didn't want all those kind of discussions. And then people just say, oh, come and see my own child. Look at your cousin here. Look at your friend there. And then everybody just having swell time. That's not what Jesus wanted. We see something about the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We, We also like Jesus. We go for these programs, church programs, holy convocations every week. Sometimes, there are some yearly gatherings we go for and we have social interactions. What has been the tone of our conversations? We learn from Jesus as we behold him how to spend our time with one another and how to spend recreational time also. Especially when the young people like Jesus gather together. I mean, at that time, Jesus at age 12. When they are conversing together, they need to be sober-minded and grave. The conversation should not be on trifles, jesting and joking and having a laugh. It is dangerous when the young, who do not have Jesus in their thoughts, associate together. Reading from councils to teachers, parents and students, we are told in page 332, paragraph 1, the dangers of the young are greatly increased as they are thrown into the society of a large number of their own age, of varied character and habits of life. Under these circumstances, many parents are inclined to relax rather than redouble their own efforts to guard and control their children. Thus, they cast a tremendous burden upon those who feel the responsibility. When these parents see that their children are becoming demoralized, they are inclined to find fault with those who have charge of the work when the evils have been caused by the cause of the parents themselves." Hmm. So, we see here that it's important Jesus himself withdrew from such an association. Here we are talking about when young, the young of the same age, when they come together, they are usually up to no good. Jesus refrained from being in such a gathering, even with his own relatives. He didn't want to play catch up, especially when he's coming back from such a high experience as the Passover. That's not a time to go home jesting and jesting. Many people, after the church has closed, what is the next thing? Greeting, jesting, just catching up and all of that and there's so much laughter. The sermon that is preached, they lose sight of it. It's important that we learn from Jesus how to meditate and contemplate on our mission. In the social life also, we have to be sure that times for recreation are wisely spent and the responsibility rests on parents, that's for their children, like it did on Joseph and Mary. And it's not just to meditate on our mission but to meditate on the lessons that we learned when coming back from these gatherings but like I'm saying now talking about Joseph and Mary and the children this is what we should do parents to children they need to take notes watch your children where are they don't just be careless in these gatherings people have gone for camp meetings and are having sex it is a common thing for young children to go for camp meetings this so-called camporee camp and the rest of them and what they are going for even before they went they planned it they go there with condoms they go there to do sexual things we all know that such things happen in these big large gatherings but what did jesus do he separated himself at such periods. that's when one young lady would want to come to another young guy to hold his hands and one who has been corrupted by someone else in their own environment Comes to the church or his gathering and corrupts another person. Jesus refrained; he wanted to go home with only his parents. He didn't spend time with his fellow young people, trying to catch up and then learning evil from them. Parents are to be vigilant. That's what we read, reading from the same book, "Counsels to Parents, Teachers, and Students," page three thirty-two, paragraph two and downward. We are told. Instead of uniting with those who bear the burdens to lift up the standards of morals and working with heart and soul in the fear of God to correct the wrongs in their children, many parents soothe their own consciences by saying, My children are no worse than others. They seek to conceal the glaring wrongs which God hates, lest their children shall become offended and take some desperate course. If the spirit of rebellion is in their hearts, far better subdue it now than permit it to increase and strengthen by indulgence. If parents would do their duty, we should see a different state of things. Many of these parents are backsliding from God. They do not have wisdom from him to perceive the devices of satan and to resist his snares every son and daughter should be called to account if absent from home at night parents should know what company their children are in and at whose house they spend their evenings where did jesus spend his time was it a place where the parents would be offended they saw him studying with the scribes and asking questions in such a way that they were amazed. Jesus had better thoughts for himself than his parents had for him. Left for his parents, they would say, let's go home together. Have a swell time. They were oblivious. They even felt he's just in our company. But where is he in your company? Do you know what is going on? Do you know whether somebody has taken him somewhere and he's being molested? Do you know whether he's having a conversation with someone that is sowing evil seeds in his mind? Do you know whether one emissary of Satan has taken your daughter and is saying things to her that should not be said? Mary and Joseph did not know this, but they were content to just say, He's around us. He's around us. That's all. They were content with that. It's not a good example. But Jesus knew better. To spend his time in the study of the word than to follow the throng going back to Nazareth in his own case. Continuing the reading, we stopped where it says Parents should know what company their children are in and at whose house they spend their evenings. Going on, some children deceive their parents with falsehoods to avoid exposure of their wrong cause. There are those who seek the society of corrupt companions and secretly visit saloons and other forbidden places of resort in the city. There are students who visit the billiard rooms and who engage in card playing. That let just call that all sorts of gambling. Now, flattering themselves that there is no danger, since their object is merely amusement, they feel perfectly safe. It is not the lower grade alone who do this. Some who have been carefully reared and educated to look upon such things with abhorrence are venturing upon the forbidden ground. Since they cannot always have the guidance and protection of parents and guardians, they need to be trained to self-reliance and self-control. They must be taught to think and act from conscientious principle. And we will talk about this training in our devotion tomorrow. The solution to it is not that you can watch your child everywhere. You cannot. There needs to be a training given to the child so that they have self-control and self-reliance and moral independence enough so that when these temptations come, they can say no. Well, we'll give the credit to Mary and Joseph that they had trained Jesus enough to have the moral independence to stay back in Jerusalem, having Bible studies rather than to follow them going home. Talking about recreation time more, we you know that recreation time is not to be spent in dissipation. that's what we've been reading. continuing the this for the same book page three forty paragraph page three thirty nine paragraph three says and down to three forty um I'll skip some paragraphs, but I'll just read down to three forty paragraph two he says a view of one such company, so that of the youths, was presented to me where were assembled those who profess to believe the truth. One was seated at the instruments of music, and such songs were poured forth as made the watching angels weep. Now, the title of our devotion is Keep the Savior with you. These are actions, like all these things we've been talking about, are things we do that make the Savior to go away from us. Jesus had gone away from Mary and Joseph and they were not aware. Why? The kind of conversations they were having as they were going home, the trifling, the things that were not meditating on the word of God the Saviour was not with them, so also with us. There are things we do, the Saviour we don't even know he has left us. Joseph and Mary were not aware that jesus had left them why because on their journey back it was a journey of just discussion that was not necessarily discussion about what they had just come to the to jerusalem for and then there was visitation like i was i was saying there's always going to be that oh come and see here's my son now where is he where is oh jesus how are you all this guy oh you're all grown now all this jesus those were distractions jesus didn't want any of that didn't want any of that when those things are going on the savior is no longer there and that's why we're reading all these things that we do that will make the Savior no longer to be with us. So I'm reading now uh, the, from where I stopped. It says, One was seated at the instrument of music, and such songs were poured forth as made the watching angels weep. The angels weep. Is Jesus with you? There was mirth. There was coarse laughter. There was abundance of enthusiasm and a kind of inspiration. But the joy was such as Satan only is able to create. This is an enthusiasm, and infatuation of which all who love God will be ashamed. It prepares the participants for unholy thought and action. Down now to page 340, paragraph 2, we are told, the tenor of the conversation reveals the treasure of the heart, the cheap common talk the words of flattery these are the things that make the savior no longer to be with us the words of flattery the foolish witticism spoken to create a laugh at the merchandise of satan and all who indulge in this talk are trading in his goods impressions are made upon those who hear who hear these things similar to that made upon herod when the daughter of herodias danced before him All these transactions are recorded in the books of heaven, and at the last great day, they will appear in their true light before the guilty ones. Then all will discern in them, the alluring, deceptive workings of the devil, to lead them into the broad road and the wide gate that opens to their ruin." So you see here, these are the kind of gatherings that Jesus shunned. If we must keep the Savior ever with us, we must also shun such gatherings. At the very young age of 12, Jesus avoided going carelessly with his own family back so he could meditate on the word. How much more will he shun these kind of gatherings that has just been described? So the other thing now is conversation. We've been talking about it. The conversation of both youths and adults is not to be about others. That's another thing. Going back home now. "Ah, Did you see this scribe? Did you see that pastor? Did you see this pastor? and What he said and what he did? Oh, the wife, how did she dress? And... No, 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 Jesus wouldn't do that. We do not find Jesus doing this. It's a distraction when people come to relate to us issues they have against others and expect missionaries to solve the problem for them. We have to realize that this, part of the, this is part of the snares of Satan to derail God's children from their important work. Reading from Fundamentals of Christian Education, page 456, uh, down maybe page 458, paragraph 4, we are told. It is best for every soul to closely investigate what mental food is served up for him to eat. When those who come to you, who live to talk, and who are all armed and equipped to say report and we will report it, stop and think if the conversation will give spiritual help, spiritual efficiency, that in spiritual communication you may eat of the flesh and drink the blood of the Son of God. To whom coming as, a, as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. These words express much. We are not to be tattlers or gossipers or talebearers. We are not to bear false witness. We are forbidden by God to engage in trifling, foolish conversation, in jesting, joking, or speaking any idle words. We must give an account of what we say to God. We will be brought in into judgment for our hasty words that do no good to the speaker or to the hearer. Then, let us all speak words that will tend to edification. Remember that you are of value with God. Allow no cheap, foolish talk or wrong principles to compose your Christian experience. Amen. So, let's talk about what we are to talk about. What is the conversation to be on? We have already gotten a hint of it. Words that edify. Reading from Councils to Teachers, Parents and Students, page 336, paragraph 3, we are told, Between the associations of the followers of Christ for Christian recreation and worldly gatherings for pleasure and amusement will exist a marked contrast. Instead of prayer and the mentioning of Christ and sacred things will be heard from the lips of worldlings, the silly laugh and the trifling conversation. The idea is to have a general high time. The amusements commence in folly and end in vanity. Our gatherings should be so conducted and we should so conduct ourselves that when we return to our homes, we can have a conscience void of offense towards God and man, a consciousness that we have not wounded or injured in any manner those with whom we have been associated or had an injurious influence over them." End of quote. You know, the things I have read earlier shows when you injure someone, especially the one of, that like we said, tattlers, gossiping, and talebearers. When you are done talking about others in a negative way, you go back knowing very well that I have not helped this sister or this brother. The things I said was not a blessing. It didn't edify them. And that's why we are reading here. We are to go to our homes knowing that our conscience is void of offense towards God. And that's why it says here that our conversation should be on things like prayer and the mentioning of Christ but I'll get more details in page 337 paragraph one of the same book it says the natural mind leans towards pleasure and self-gratification it is Satan's policy to manufacture an abundance of this he seeks to fill the minds of men with a desire for worldly amusement that they may have no time to ask themselves the question how is it with my soul? So these are the questions we need to be asking when we are discussing with one another. How is it with my soul? Not, are you dating somebody, is, you, is this person your boyfriend or is that person your girlfriend or when do you intend to marry? No. How is it with your soul? Those are the, that's what we are supposed to be asking ourselves. Then the next thing says, the love of pleasure is infectious. Giving up to this, the mind hurries from one point to another, ever seeking for some amusement. Obedience to the law of God counteracts this inclination and builds barriers against ungodliness. Also, in page 338, paragraph 1, we are told, If there is anything in our world that should inspire enthusiasm, it is the cross of Calvary. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not, 1 John 3, verse 1, for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life, John three sixteen. Christ is to be accepted, believed on, and exalted. This is to be the theme of conversation, the preciousness of Christ, end of quote, and I hear someone saying, is that practicable? What do you mean? that should just be talking about Christ the only reason it's a problem to you is because you are carnal you cannot imagine yourself just discussing only Christ what, what pleasure is there in just discussing Christ and the Bible I mean can't we just gist you are carnal that's why you can't understand it if the spirit of God is in you you will have pleasure in having Bible studies in discussing spiritual things with your sister and with your brother it's not going to be about where, where are you now that's mostly what the discussion is. It's about school. Where are you now in school? What level are you? What course are you? So, oh, my course is this, my course is that. You're just coming back from the church. You're just coming back from a spiritual program. And all we can talk about is, well, my plan is for the future, when I intend to get married, and then investigations are made as to who is dating who, and all those kind of carnal worldly things. That's what is being discussed. And it sounds like it's a strange thing for you to have a bible study this is not what it's supposed to be especially among the sisters is that the case of marriage discussion and then with our brothers it's all school and young oh, sisters too and then apart from that sports and trifles of football when you are you are you the savior is no longer with you you were with the savior when you were in the program but you didn't keep him with you because of the kind of conversations you're having as Jesus went home that day, it was the cross that was on his mind. He saw himself in the Passover lamb, a typical representation of himself, dying on the cross for the sins of men. And this is what he wanted everyone that day to contemplate. This is one of the things we are to dwell on. That through the cross, we have the privilege to be called the sons of God. Jesus succeeded in his aims. The smart move he made succeeded. He now went home alone with Joseph and Mary. Reading Desire of Ages, page 82, paragraph 3, it says as Joseph and Mary should return from Jerusalem alone with Jesus, he hoped to direct their minds to the prophecies of the suffering Savior. Remember, when you are going home from that program, that's what you should be doing. Direct the mind to the prophecies that concern your present time, the present truth. Continuing, he says, upon Calvary, he sought to lighten his mother's grief. He was thinking of her now. Mary was to witness his last agony and Jesus desired her to understand his mission, that she might be strengthened to endure when the sword should pierce through her soul. As Jesus had been separated from her and she had sought him sorrow in three days, so when he should be offered up for the sins of the world, would again be lost to her for three days, and as he should come forth from the tomb, her sorrow would again be turned to joy. But how much better she could have borne the anguish of his death if she had understood the scriptures to which he was now trying to turn her thoughts. Going on to paragraph 83, paragraph 2, it says, in association with one another, We should take heed lest we forget Jesus and pass along unmindful that he is not with us. When we become absorbed in worldly things, so that we have no thought for him in whom our hope of eternal life is centered, we separate ourselves from Jesus and from the heavenly angels. These holy beings cannot remain where the Savior's presence is not desired and his absence is not marked. This is why discouragement so often exists among the professed followers of Christ. Amen. And that's the carefulness that we should have. Back to the previous book, "Counsels to Teachers, Parents, and Students," page three, forty-one, paragraph two. It tells us, "Those who are seeking the righteousness of Christ will be dwelling upon the themes of the great salvation. The Bible is the storehouse that supplies their souls with nourishing food. They meditate upon the incarnation of Christ. They contemplate the great sacrifice made to save them from perdition, to bring in pardon." peace and everlasting righteousness. The soul is aglow with these grand and elevating themes. Holiness and truth, grace and righteousness occupy the thoughts. Self dies and Christ lives in his servants. In contemplation of the word, their hearts burned within them, as did the hearts of the, of the two disciples while they went to Emmaus and Christ walked with them by the way and opened to them the scriptures concerning himself how few realize that jesus unseen is walking by their side how ashamed many would be to hear his voice speaking to them and to know that he heard all their foolish common talk and how many hearts would burn with holy joy if they only knew that the savior was by their side that the holy atmosphere of his presence was surrounding them and they were feeding on the bread of life How pleased the Saviour would be to hear his followers talking of his precious lessons of instruction and to know that they had a relish for holy things. And he goes on to say, When the truth abides in the heart, there is no place for criticism of God's servants or for picking flaws with the message he sends. That which is in the heart will flow from the lips. It cannot be repressed. The things that God has prepared for those that love him will be the theme of conversation. The love of Christ is in the soul as a well of water springing up into everlasting life, sending forth living streams that bring life and gladness wherever they flow. End of quote. And this last paragraph is very key. I said it earlier. There are some people who, after the message has been preached, their conversation is about the preacher. I look at his dress look at her dress what if that person never even got the message and the first thing you are turning their eyes to is the dress of the minister or something else about maybe the way a word was spoken something that was not grammatically correct and you divert the mind from the message that was supposed to be gotten whose work have you done now have you done the work of God or have you done the work of satan and when i talk about dress i'm not talking about somebody who is not clad appropriately just trifles in somebody's dress trifling things something about the dress here or there that is not really an issue but the problem is that you are focusing on something that is not christ why are you distracted is it because that thing is distracting you or because you cannot see christ enough to dwell on that that is not as important to you, that is why you are distracted by that. And that's why it says, well, if the truth is really abiding in your heart, you would not have place for criticism of God's servant or for picking flaws with the message he sent, assuming, of course, that the message is the right message. But when you start to do all that, it shows that Christ has been repressed. So it is very important for us to keep the Savior with us, reading from the same book, page 337 paragraph 3 to give us a principle on how to choose the things that we should do it says any amusement in which you can engage asking the blessing of god upon it in faith will not be dangerous but any amusement which disqualifies you for secret prayer for devotion at the altar of prayer or for taking part in the prayer meeting is not safe but dangerous end of quote let us learn to keep the savior with us with all these principles we've heard so far in this devotion we have been told exactly what to talk about And what we should not talk about, and how to keep the Savior with us, especially when coming from a high experience in the service of God, whether our weekly services or even our our organized meetings. May God help us to keep the Savior with us at all times. Let us pray. Dear Lord in heaven, thank you for the lessons that you have taught us now. Help us, Lord, to be very attentive and very careful that we keep you with us, that we do not go into trifling conversations, jesting, joking, amusements, and into diversions and discussing unworldly things, and we do not have time to dwell on the Savior, on his incarnation, on present truth. Help us, Lord, to find pleasure in discussing holy things than discussing worldly things, O Lord, that we may keep the Savior with us. Thank you for hearing and answering our prayers. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. This message was brought to you by the Angel with a Strong Voice, a ministry dedicated to preparing people to stand true to God and be ready for His imminent return. For more information and free online resources, please visit www.tawas.org that is www.tawasv.org or contact info at tawas.org.